Hey guys, a cold open really quick just to say that we recorded this podcast on Friday. Um, It is now Wednesday, obviously, when we are recording this. The coronavirus problem has become a lot more of a problem and a lot more dire since we recorded. Um, We just wanted to say that we hope that no one is offended or upset about how many jokes we make about it. We know that it's not a joke, that it's very serious, and um, we understand that a lot of people are being hurt by this. However, we put our stress into making jokes and making fun of things. So we just wanted to say that we hope that you guys are all staying safe and healthy out there. We hope that you can still enjoy the podcast for what it is, um, even though we make some jokes that now in hindsight might be in bad taste. If you guys need more information on the coronavirus, what's happening right now, and how to stay safe and stay healthy, check out the World Health Organization's uh, website, and we hope that you guys are okay. Thanks. Please pardon Robin, she is the coronavirus. <laughs> The coronavirus. Stop right. spreading false information, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rumors of my having the coronavirus have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is if you could ghostwrite any book series, what book series would you ghostwrite? My favorite book series is Harry Potter, but I don't think I'm good enough to write Harry Potter, obviously. The writing, Joe, listen, as much as I love Harry Potter, the writing is very simplistic. I'm not smart enough to think up stories for that. Okay, I'm not going to fight you because I know better, but it'll just be this whole thing and we'll just go round and round in circles. So I will say, yes, you are. Mm, okay, okay. I guess Harry Potter then, but I do not feel worthy. Okay. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Apertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And the series that I would ghost write, honestly, I would diversify and change up the Babysitter's Club. Mm-hmm. Okay, work. Just, just kidding. I totally just lied to you. Oh. Because I got that mixed up with what I actually wanted. Okay. Um, because um, actually, they are bringing the Babysitter's Club to Netflix. It's shooting here, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Sweet Valley High. I was obsessed with Sweet Valley High when I was, like, a kid. I loved those books. There was, like, this one book that was, like, really dark where there was this earthquake and they, like, killed one of the main characters Then the whole, like, thing is, like, from her point of view as she slowly dies. And I was like, did I, like, fever dream this book? <laughs> it was weird. But, yeah, I always wanted to, like, write those books. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I am a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I wish I could read. Okay. (laughs) No, stop there. I'm with you. It's been so long since I read, like, a series of books Mm. that this question is difficult for me, and I'm going to take a cop-out answer and say I would write Star Trek Next Generation books. Oh, that's fine. fine. Because... There's a whole series. There's so much room to play in that universe that I would just have a great time. If I could write, you know, or read. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If If, you're like, if I I wasn't operating at a preschool level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> preschool level. Thanks, yeah. I hate it. I used to I used to read a lot of series 
when I was in high school. And now it's like, if it's a series, I don't got time for that. Like, I know y'all are all up in your fan fiction game and I respect you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like for me right now, it's like, if it's, if it has more, like I, I read like books on their own, like actual books. Yeah. And um, if there's more than one book in a series, oh, I just don't, I just don't have the time. That's part of why I picked. Cannot commit. My, the thing I picked. Uh-huh. Because all Star Trek books are just long form fan fiction. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm interested in that concept. There were lost books. I bought them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I bought them. I think I read like five chapters, which was like the crash happened and then they would like vaguely describe like other crash survivors because they like just met them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, oh, ho, ho, that's Sawyer. Oh, ho, ho, this screaming girl is Shannon. Ha ha ha. And then it wore off and I was like, all right, what else can I learn? Because the main character was a was like a random in the background, right? Yeah. So that's usually yeah. how like expanded universe books work. Yeah. And like, um, I read one of the Riverdale Expanded Universe books. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> oh, no. And there are more of them, and I I cannot make that commitment because I didn't like the first one. I respect you. Why didn't you like it? Um, I didn't, ooh, not to, like, call out the person who wrote it or anything, but, um, it was just confusing because, like you said, a lot of, like, those, like, extra books are from the perspective of somebody that you don't really know or something that doesn't really have anything to do with canon. Yeah. But the main characters in the extended books are our core four, and so it didn't make sense with canon, and I got, like, confused, and it didn't really feel like they were in character. I just didn't like it. They, you know what, they should have picked, like, Tony. Yes, and totally. had like like a whole like shoney adventure book because they're not used enough. So like if you had them go on a whole ass like adventure to another continent, I'd be like, yeah, they definitely had time for that. That would be so good. Yeah, I would love like things like, from like in between the seasons. You know, like Tony and Shara went on that whole they, ass like motorcycle party. Yeah, exactly. Never told anything about it. But, like, the first book that I read was a prequel, so it was, like, like the summer oh. up to Jason dying or whatever. And I was like, man, I'm out here having to read a whole last book about Miss Grundy? Yup. No, thank you, ma'am. Oh, oh yeah, boy. no, I would hard pass on that as well. And, like, Veronica's in New York, and Betty's in L.A. with, like, Toni Morrison, and Jughead's doing whatever. And so I'm like, this isn't fun for me. Yeah. I, I don't know what's up with the, the other books that they're publishing. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the first one, but I did. And I don't remember what episode this was in, but once I finished it at the end of one of our podcast episodes, I think in season two, I like went through all the things that I learned that I thought were relevant. Mm -hmm. Probably didn't matter at all, but I did that. I did that. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. That's really cute. And I'm sure like the the thing about like extended universes is often they're beta canon. Mm. So like they don't actually, they'll tie into like the, like alpha canon but the alpha canon won't follow those rules Mm -hmm. so like that's how the star trek and the star wars books worked is while there was no new content they expanded those universes using the books Mm -hmm. and then when new content began to come out they would kind of pick bits and pieces of what they wanted to keep yeah but star wars of course kind of blew that up Mm -hmm. and like like we're like we're not using any of that yeah but star trek actually hired some of the book writers to write the actual show Mm -hmm. so like they crossed over more so it depends on like how much you respect the beta canon Mm -hmm. i respect beta canon because i think people work really hard on those exactly yeah today we have words to say about episode 416 of riverdale the locked room i really struggled with that (laughs) i don't know why like right in the middle i was like I, my mouth is not moving the way that it's supposed to. Episode four. <laughs> 16. I'm, I'm going to leave it though. Okay. I'm going to leave it the way it is. I've decided I'm not correcting myself anymore. What you hear is what you get. <laughs>
<laughs> a disclaimer. Um, I don't remember the last time that we recorded in daylight hours, and um, my sister is always asleep when we record, and she's in the room and right now snoring. So, uh, sorry, ambiance. Yeah, ASMR. Like, sure, you've edited Picard with this. I didn't notice. There so you go. hopefully you also don't notice. Okay. Okay. So the locked room is the name of like a Swedish. It's like a Swedish crime novel. Cool. But I'm kind of more interested in the concept of the locked room mystery, which they talk about in this episode. So yeah. I'm going to talk about that now. So the locked room or impossible crime mystery is a subgenre of detective fiction in which a crime, which is almost always murder, is committed in circumstances under which it was seemingly impossible for the perpetrator to commit the crime or evade detection in the course of getting in and out of the crime scene. The crime in question typically involves a crime scene with no indication as to how the intruder could have entered or left, for example, a locked room. Following other conventions of classic detective fiction, the reader is normally presented with the puzzle and all of the clues and is encouraged to solve the mystery before the solution is revealed in a dramatic climax. So, yes. Um, I love these kind of mysteries. Mm-hmm. They're actually one of my favorite subgenres of um, horror film. Mm-hmm. Because I, I kind of refer to it as like soft horror, but like there's um, this movie that I watch with my sister and I... It's not called Escape Room, but it basically was, like, people who were invited to an escape room, but it wound up being, like, a locked room mystery. And you you go through the whole movie trying to figure out which one of them is the murderer. It's very Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. But this one had a lot of really cool twists. I think Sam would like it a lot. There's not a lot of, like, actual horror, like, at all. It's really much more of, like, a sci-fi twisty yeah. thing. But Locked Room, I think, is one of the most interesting ones because you have the clues the entire time. Mm-hmm. You just have to figure out how to connect them. Yeah. I've connected the dots. Connected them. You haven't connected. (laughs) So if you go on the Wikipedia page for the locked room mystery, like just like the concept, they have examples from actual real life. Okay. And they are so cool, but also like so annoying because at the end they're like, yeah, it was never, never explained. Never, you know. Okay. Well, tell us more. I just don't know. I think there were three on here. You know what? Let's just go for it. Yeah. They're interesting. They're fun. Okay. According to a report in the New York Times, March 10th and 11th, 1929, Isidore Fink of, they're just giving us his address, in New York City, basically, was in his Fifth Avenue laundry on the night of March 9th, 1929, with the windows closed and the door of the room bolted. A neighbor heard screams and the sound of blows, but no shots, and called the police, who were unable to get in. A young boy was lifted through the transom and was unable to and was able to unbolt the door. On the on the floor lay Fink with two bullet wounds in his chest and one in his left wrist. He was dead. There was money in his pockets and the cash register had not been touched. No weapon was found. There was a theory that the murderer had called through the transom, but to do so they would have had to have been no bigger than a small child and would have had to leave the same way as the door was bolted. Another theory had the murderer firing through the transom, but Fink's wrist was powder burned, indicating that he had not been fired at from a distance. More than two years later, Police Commissioner Mulrooney, in a radio talk, called this murder in a cl- in a closed room an insolvable mystery. That is so cool. Clearly, it was a hit mm-hmm. and terrifying. I wa- it must have been like a ki- like truly like a kid like making their bones with someone. Yeah, or something. Doesn't that sound like it? Like who's to say? So then there are two more. I really like this last one. It's crazy. Okay. Okay. Anyway, this is the second one. On May 16, 1937, Letitia Tarot was found stabbed to death in an otherwise empty first-class compartment of the Paris Metro. The subway train had left the terminus, Port de Charenton, sorry, at 6.27 p.m. and had arrived at the next station, Port Doré, at 8, at 6.28 p.m. Witnesses did not see anyone else enter or leave the compartment where Madame, oh, Mademoiselle, 
Mademoiselle. Toreau's body was found. The murderer had one minute and 20 seconds at their disposal. Neither the murderer nor the method of their escape was ever discovered. What? Ah, That's so so weird. (laughs) And then here's the last one. This is what freaks me out, right? Okay. Because the first one, 1929. Yeah, yeah. Second one, 1937. Oh, this one's more recent, isn't it? In 2010. Oh, oh, geez. The body of Gareth Williams, an MI6 employee, (gasps) was found in a bag that was zipped up and padlocked from the outside with a key inside. There was no forensic evidence of anyone else's involvement. Despite suggestions that he may somehow have locked himself inside the bag, two escapologists failed to replicate the feat despite 400 attempts, though one would not rule it out. What? So. Oh, no, ma'am. No, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah. So that's spooky. Um, anyway. Wait, couldn't someone have just put him in the bag and then locked it and like dropped the key in there before they locked? No. How would they do that? No, I'm with you. I just, um, I assume that the Wikipedia article knows what they're talking about. Oh, wait. So it's, it must be a lock that you have to use the key on. Like, oh, like to lock it. You need to use To lock it. Yeah. Because otherwise, you just put the key in there and then clicky clicky. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, it's 2010. So like, what, so it's a padlock lock? I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Spooky. I Ooh. like that. Ooh. Anyway, okay. So anyway, Brittany, tutor boot. Toot. I think, though this episode was a huge info dump and some of it was really confusing, the way that they actually, pre- the way they actually presented it was quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. Sam? Uh, also, Toot, I had fun. Mm-hmm. That's all I can ask for from Riverdale, and I had a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna also, also snake parents kissed, so yeah, like yeah. I, I can't not toot that. Exactly. I'm definitely also going to give it a toot. I agree that it was definitely an info dump at some times. Doing a summary for it was really kind of difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was uh, monotonous because a lot of it was just stuff we had already heard, and mostly it was just like pieces being put together, so I don't know how much like actual conversation we can have about it. Yeah. But I did really love it, and- it's like, this is the the season finale that I look for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh, sure. This is a great season finale. It's like episode 16. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that, you know, for the rest of the season, we have like the whole videotape mystery, but it's just kind of like, at this point, it's just kind of like half-assed because I'm just like, so the real mystery is already done and you haven't even, like, they're basically going to be like, hey, remember that one time when videotapes? And I'm we're actually- going to be like, okay. I'm actually excited about the videotapes mm-hmm. because, like, that was the the storyline that I was more interested in anyway because we all knew Jughead wasn't dead, even though I talked a big game. Yeah. Because, like, that's the, that's the storyline I was interested in to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I do – I kind of like the way that they broke up this season because – I feel like in season three, they tried to do too many things concurrently. Mm-hmm. And that if they had tried to do that with this, they probably would have dropped the ball for me again because I right. did not like season three at all. That's a lie. I liked Gr- I liked Griffins and Gargoyles. So I don't know. I'm excited. So far, it's working for me. Yeah, I guess my thing is that like, if they had dropped in little pieces throughout the middle of the season about the videotapes, exactly. like we literally haven't heard about them sure. since like Halloween. Like the last time it was like six hours of them watching their house and it's like, okay, but when do I get 12 hours? You know? Exactly. Like I just wish that they had dropped little pieces of it throughout the season to remind us because if I'm just like a normal casual Riverdale viewer, which I'm not, but if I, <laughs> if I <laughs> Is was, anyone? Yeah. 
if I was, I'd be like, oh yeah. Or like, I would have fully forgotten by now. You know what I mean? There's still, uh, okay, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. There's still six episodes left in the season. Like truly, is anyone a ca- casual Riverdale watcher? I feel like you can't be. Mm. Who's to say? How could you keep up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? All right, so we're going to get started here. Um, Like I said last time for the past other two episodes that we've done, we just split it up into three chronologically and we're just going to do that. All right. So I did part one. <coughs> All right. Please pardon Robin. She has the coronavirus. <laughs> I don't have the coronavirus. Stop right. spreading false information, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stop. Um, Rumors of my having the coronavirus have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So this is the first third of the episode. I'm ready. Sorry it's so disjointed, but the episode was. Yeah. Yeah. No one blames you. All right. So Jughead hung out in the bunker for like two weeks and he was really bored and sad. he did though get to be at his own funeral just like tom sawyer using a live stream the barchi lie is still alive and thriving jughead spent all this time trying to solve all the mysteries in the world we see how jellybean was told about jug being alive how fp was told mary hermosa etc jughead pinpoints my problem with all of this so far it's not who done it we know who done it but why betty comes to the bunker to tell jug that someone is planning on meeting them there spoiler alert it's fp1 jug and betty are ready to go and confront everyone dupont brett donna joan and notably not jonathan are in class when jughead shows up donna says she knew he was alive and at this point no one cares donna <laughs> they lock the room and jughead begins at the beginning with chipping recruiting him having moose as a roommate getting drugged on halloween learning that moose had joined the military chipping's death it's a lot and honestly we'll just get into the details mm, yeah and that's the first bit. Yeah, I noticed um, when we split these storylines up that I got all the hard stuff. <laughs> Sorry you picked the middle. No, I'm technically just, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I'm just, no, actually, you guys picked the front and the end. And I was like, I'm fine with doing the middle. And I was like, and then I looked at it and I'm like, those assholes. <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted the part where FP and Alice kiss. I understand. I'm a simple woman. I just wanted the first part because I, because the first time I did the last part and then the second episode I did the second, wait, other way around. And so I just wanted, you know, all three. I just wanted the trilogy. You understand? Sure, 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 mm-hmm. sure. Um, do you want to talk about how Jellybean is a tiny genius? I don't know if she is. She figured it out. No, she didn't. She heard Betty talking to Charles. Oh, yeah. So Betty's just bad at crime. Yeah. That makes more sense, actually. But more importantly, my very first note on here is there's a microwave in the bunker. <laughs> I mean, we never knew that. I think that's it's probably an added good feature. He needs a microwave if he's gonna live down there for two weeks and be dead. Mm-hmm. That's true. They must have. They must have brought like a whole bunch of supplies down there. It's like, and we also learned that Jughead was actually like transported a bunch of places throughout this time. And so I'm like, how did like if Donna's like following you, how are you evading this detection? Oh, yeah. Secret tunnels. Yes. So he talks about how he had two obituaries and we see Pop being sad and that that makes me sad. Truly. Pop is genuinely in mourning. I'm like, you could have told Pop. I know that it didn't make sense, but you could have. Yeah. He says that he liked the blue and gold one, probably because Betty wrote it. Yep. Um, he watched the funeral, and he, so that means he also got to see Sweet Pea, so I'm really happy for him. Oh, okay. It all comes back to Sweet Pea for Robin. Yeah, yeah. So there's this memorial at Jughead's locker, except last episode we figured out that it wasn't Jughead's locker. It was probably Betty's locker, because Jughead doesn't have a locker because he doesn't go to their school. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, a beanie on it? So what beanie is that? Someone must have, like, made it. They I bought guess. it off Etsy. Yeah. Ethel, Ethel made it. Yeah. Thanks. I hate it. You're welcome. Um, He says that... People thought he went to a semi-sweet hereafter, 
which reminded me because The Sweet Hereafter was the name of the season one finale. I was mm-hmm. literally about to say, hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So he says that he feels bad about lying and making people sad, which, same, I would, I would feel the same yeah, way. Yeah, I would feel yeah. remorse for that. Um, Barchi is still happening. We're just basically going right through this because a lot of this stuff is stuff that we already knew, you yeah. guys. Yep. But it's delivered in a fun way. Mm-hmm. So Jellybean knew, and I called last episode, I think, that Betty told her when she got the blood for the rock from her. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Like, and what would Jellybean have thought Betty was using that for if she didn't, like, figure it out? Right. Like, yeah, Betty doesn't even give her, like, an excuse as far as we see. Exactly. Yeah. So Jellybean says that she heard Betty whispering to Charles because the walls are thin, and that kind of freaks me out because, um... A lot of things happen in that room, and oh Jellybean's boy. room is, like, right beside it, I guess, and, um, oh, oh I just dear. didn't like knowing that. I literally did not think about that, I, and now I'm gonna throw oh, up. Oh, dear. So, Betty tells FP, and FP's honestly just glad to know that Jughead's okay, so we're good there. He's Same. not mad or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then we see Archie telling Mary, which we knew about, and then we see Hermosa, and I still am not really sure why we told Hermosa, to be perfectly honest. Truly. Private investigator skills. But to but avoid can we blackmail, trust her? I guess? No, we can't trust her. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter now because Jughead's alive. Yeah, now it doesn't matter. We're just lucky that she didn't blow it all up. Exactly. That was the gamble, really, I think. I guess they just... I guess they told Ramosa because they needed her to do the private investigating. Yeah. So what are your guys... Like, how do you guys feel about Hermosa's comment that... Betty and Veronica are secret girlfriends who are killing each other's boyfriends so they can be together. I feel like stop queerbaiting. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and I would be here for it. I Sorry. Sorry, Jughead and Archie. Yeah. I, I get it because they do do this a lot and it's like, okay. Well, like, do, like, get off the pot. Really. Exactly. You know, like, do it or don't do it then. Like, st- shut up about it if you're not going to do it. But- I also think that Hermosa says these things just to annoy Veronica. Oh, absolutely. Also, so like I get it. Like that's a very like older sister thing to do. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I just wish that like do it then. Do it. I dare you. Yeah. Like if you're gonna keep like making these comments, do something about it. I also feel like if Betty and Veronica really did want to be together, they could just be together. They don't have yep. to kill their boyfriends. <laughs> if anything, their boyfriends would be like, "Wow, this is really hurtful," but I can't say it didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. So Veronica's actually, like, planning on paying Hermosa for her work, which I think is really nice. Yeah. She asks about a family discount, but she is planning on actually paying her. Yeah, like, plus, like, then she doesn't owe Hermosa a favor or anything, which is the currency that Hermosa would use. Right, and it's also kind of her being like, I am asking you professionally rather than, like, as, like, a a favor. As my sister, so that you will take it seriously. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So then we see Jughead's Facebook page, and that picture of him with the burger, which we love so, so, so much, is his profile picture. Thank God. And and his cover photo is a picture of him and Archie. Oh, I love that it's not he and Betty. It's also. really nice. I didn't recognize any of the names of the people, like, posting on his timeline or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they were just, like, random. Yeah. Um, but Donna's, like, watching his Facebook. Like, <laughs> I just think it's funny that she's, like, Jughead's alive, and the first thing he's gonna do is post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah why is she watching his facebook to see like which people are commenting i don't know or she's gonna see if like he accidentally likes something right i mean i would do that i would have to create like a whole secret instagram because guaranteed i would i would like something accidentally so cheryl watches veronica watch barchi cool because cheryl's really invested in this mm-hmm. he talks about how it's a why done it and not a who done it which i've been saying and it's really nice that it's like not something that they were neglecting because it yeah. kind of felt like it was just something they were neglecting uh, like any type of motive 
but it turns out they were doing it on purpose, which brings me joy and hope. And like, yeah, because I was like, I I wasn't expecting that much from the writers. Mm-hmm. They're they're good writers in that they know that they're writing like a mockery of a pulp fiction television show. Mm-hmm. But like sometimes they really let the ball drop. Yeah. So they said Hermosa really had a key piece in like bringing them them all down. And obviously we'll talk about that later, like what she figured out about Donna. About that was great. <laughs> I think it's funny that like this thing that Betty confronts Donna about later which I'm purposefully keeping a secret mm-hmm. for the people who don't actually watch the show. Yes, of course. <laughs> who are going to who are waiting anyway. till part three so they can hear what it is. Um, I'm just a little confused as to why they don't bring it up in class. Like when they like go out there and Jughead's like, hey guys, like why did I just wonder why Betty comes to her later to bring it up? Is I, it like just better blackmail that way? I th- and I think it's that Betty probably knew that she would get what she got mm-hmm. and she wanted to get as much out of her as possible. Gotcha. So Charles and FP went to go find FP1 and he agreed to come and I love three generations of Jones boys. Mm. I love two. Like, I just like forget that Charles is a Jones boy, but he is. I'm like, forget about Jughead. Yeah. This is more, more important. <laughs> just waiting. That's another thing that they have to resolve is if Charles was leading Chick on or if he's evil. Like, is Chick the one yeah. behind the tapes then? If it's Chick but again, listen, I love Chick. Everyone knows I love Chick. He's so creepy. I love Chick and I love Dr. Grittle Jr. for similar reasons is that every time I see them, I'm like, why are you so creepy? Yeah. <laughs> They're good at their jobs because um, those actors are good. Yeah. And Chick has been like part of the big bad in kind of like kind of season two. Totally season three. If Char- if Chick is the big bad again, I'm going to be a little bit like, What's, what? Be like, do you all like run out of actors to cast? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? So they're studying crime and punishment in class and it's a little on the nose, I gotta say. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay. Um, And then Jughead comes in and is like, hey guys, what's up? And it seems like Brett actually did think Jughead was dead. Yeah, <laughs> he was shook. He was like, he really was. Go! He's so he's so just delightfully stupid. It's just like so chaotic because like we see how they thought that they killed him. Yeah. But Donna realized that they didn't. Yeah, well that I mean they, I think that was still a theory for her. Like she was like pretty sure because of like the whole extra cup thing, but like still. Like she she had to prove it basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's literally a locked room mystery because they're literally locking the room. And Donna's like, it's fine. We have nothing to hide. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, you have everything to hide? At this point, do you really believe that? Because Jughead wouldn't have come back unless he was ready to take you down. And I think you know that. Um, and that's why she deserved to be taken down the way she did. Right. So Jughead, Moose, and FP1 were all like invited to Stonewall. Was, I, I just wonder, I don't think this was said, but like, was FP1 invited to be the next victim as well? And he just like ended up actually being a really, really good writer. And so they let him, so then Francis DuPont, well, no, never no, mind. That's when it started. started. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. That was when it totally started. So I'm just a little confused as to why FP1 was invited. Like he must've just been a talented writer and that's why. Yeah, I think he, I think that when he was invited, it was genuinely that they were looking to recruit really good writers for the school. How much does it suck for Jughead to know that he didn't get in on his writing merit like he thought yeah. he did? Ugh, that sucks. It leaves the question of whether or not Jughead is actually a good writer. And uh, given the way that he delivered that one deliver that one uh, mystery of his, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story about grandparents and their grandchildren, he says. And of course, then we get a cut to Donna. 
Oh, duh. Immediately we get a cut to Donna after that. So for the people who don't know what the secret is yet about Donna. That's a hint. It's a hint. I love when they do those things. But actually this whole show is about parents and their children. And we all know that. So this kind of, this makes sense. Yeah. This would be about grand grandparents and their grandchildren. Yeah. So then we talk about Jughead getting drugged in, on Halloween. And I knew that Donna was sinister in doing that. And I remember being like, every episode after that, when she was like all nice, I was like, okay, but do we remember that time when Donna like drugged him? And like, why did she seem so sinister? I kind of forgot that they drugged him to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So officially, guys. Yes. Mr. Chipping. He was an okay guy. Yeah, he was. He committed a murder apparently, but he was an okay guy. He didn't have an affair with a student. You know? Well, he was an okay guy in that he condoned. In the end. Why are you laughing? I guess Rob is just like... He was an okay like, guy he, even though murder He occurred. killed a guy, but he didn't sleep with a student, so he doesn't totally suck. Yeah. Well, the bar is very low <laughs> on Riverdale, you see. And he yeah. had remorse about killing the guy. That's true. So Mr. Chipping recruited Moose to play football, but like, what did Mr. Chipping have to do with football at the school? And like, first, second, and third of all, I have never seen any sports happen at that school. Ma'am? They played, they played football the against bulldogs. Brett. Wow, it's amazing that I'm stupid. Okay. <laughs> so I guess Mr. Chipping liked Moose and didn't want to see him murder. Jughead tells DuPont to shut up and it's pretty great. It's iconic because all, all season I have wanted someone to tell that man to shut up. He just runs his mouth for no reason. <laughs> I'm just glad that it ended up being Jughead. Yeah, it felt good. So at the beginning there, DuPont was lying about being nice to Jughead at the beginning. That was part of him trying to lure Jughead, lure FP1 out of hiding, right? Yep. Okay. So he took advantage of FP1 and Chipping killed himself after talking with DuPont, maybe because DuPont was like, I still am not really super clear as to why Mr. Chipping killed himself. I think because DuPont was pressuring him to go through with the entire plan. Yeah, because like, here's the thing. If DuPont was planning on being like, I'm going to tell everybody that you murdered a boy, then it's like, okay, but then that's you're messing up your plans too. So you would never do that. So I'm just like confused as to what made Mr. Chipping do that, I guess. I think guilt. Yeah. I but think like, he probably well, carried that guilt Isn't that what they say life. in the episode? That he like, he couldn't handle the guilt anymore? Well, yeah. that's why I'm confused is that like, he's trying to like make up for it. He's trying to make up for it by helping Saving Moose and trying to help Jughead and FP1 and everything. And instead he just like throws it all away and like throws himself out the window when like there were so many opportunities for him to make up for what he did. I think there was an element of, I can't face the consequences of my own actions and I can't live with this guilt anymore. Yeah. You know, there, I think it wasn't just one thing. It was like thing after thing after thing with him. Okay. So Jughead mentions the creepiest part, which I agree, is when Chipping jumped out of the window and all the other kids are like totally blank about it. Yeah, that was so weird. There's no way they knew that was going to happen. Mm-mm. Like, even if you're like evil, <laughs> you still are not, you're like, you're still not surprised when somebody like throws themselves out a window. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. God, they're all so creepy. Brett, like, can we all agree that Brett is supposed to have a brain cell? Just one though. Like he's supposed to have one though. You know, he was like quiz show guy and he plays football and he's in the Quill and Skull and you know, like he's supposed to be like actually kind of a smart guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, until he uses the word suicided. <laughs> yeah. He says, Isn't that a word though? That's I'm pretty sure it is. What? Yeah. yeah. It's not Mr. Chipping committed suicide. He says Mr. Chipping suicided. I'm pretty I'm sure pretty it sure actually thing. is a word. Okay, look it up. Either way, it sounds ridiculous. No, that's what it, like, I, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. You're going to yeah. tell me that I'm wrong? 
It sounds like he's a three-year-old and he doesn't know all the words. Well, he kind of is. Like, this, he's really stupid for a person that's supposed to be smart. It is a word? Yeah, past tense of suicide is suicided. Suicide. It's the past. And past participle. So it is basically the same thing as committed, committed suicide. Like, he could have said committed suicide, but he didn't. Yeah. Okay. So Donna didn't have an affair with Chipping or Mr. Connor, whoever the heck that is. Um, (laughs) We learned that Chipping killed someone several years ago. And it's weird because he says the prompt is the perfect murder. So you need to commit the perfect murder. Is the prompt always the perfect murder? Probably. Because it needs to be, it needs to be a murder you can always get away with. But wouldn't you get bored with it at some point? Like if I, like as a reader of the Baxter Brothers, I'd be like, okay, it seems like it's the same thing every single heckin' time. I'm out. But that's just Scooby-Doo, too. We don't get tired of Scooby-Doo. There isn't always never, murder. There, I'm never tired of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby-Doo is always very different. But, I mean, if it's a murder mystery series, like, isn't Nancy, there's always a murder in Nancy Drew, but it's a different murder every time. No, 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 no. I've only read one Nancy Drew book because I thought at some point in my life I have to read a Nancy Drew book. I can't just watch Nancy Drew things. You know what I mean? Play Nancy Drew games. I need to read a book. So I read a book and it was about uh, thievery. The one that I read. There was a theft. Oh. That she was doing. So uh, I don't know. Um, Well, that's the end of part of the first third. So Sam, can you tell me about TV Co.? Um, I sure can. It's this cool app where you can watch people watch the things you like. Mm. <laughs> um and, and do we do that we do do that we do it every tuesday oh really we watch the previous episode of riverdale Interesting. and if there's a hiatus we watch whichever episode of riverdale we want gotcha yeah so the day that this comes out there will have been a an episode that we watch and we're gonna rewatch the pilot and my dad's gonna be there so he's gonna ask a bunch of dumb questions and you know it it's true <laughs> um if you're listening to this the day it came out and you weren't there, you missed it. But that's okay because all of our streams are saved onto our profile. If you search Riverdale, you can find us. If you search Aficionados, you'll find us. But for the other few weeks of this hiatus, we will be rewatching an episode in season three, an episode in season two. And then uh, when's the next one come out? April 8th. So April 7th, we will be rewatching this episode. Um, so we hope that you'll join us on TV Co. There's a link in the description to join us. 7 p.m. PST every Tuesday. I can't wait to have feelings about Evil Alice from season one. That'll be fun. I love her. She yeah. was iconic. Cool. So now it's time for part two. Oh boy. <laughs> part two. This is gonna be long. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Betty and Jughead revealed that all of this was actually a challenge for the potential ghost writer to commit the perfect murder. Kill someone, get the contract. Chipping lured Moose to Stonewall to- Stonewall! Interesting. I'm gonna try that again. Okay. Chipping lured Moose to Sto- <laughs> What's going on? Chipping lured Moose to Stonewall to be the next victim for his class, but got cold feet and decided to be a good person for once, so he pushed Moose out of Stonewall and killed himself instead. They also revealed that the Stonewall 4 all went missing at the same time that the Baxter brothers got a new ghostwriter. It's embarrassingly obvious if you're two nerdy teen detectives with a surprisingly active so- uh, active sex life. <laughs> Jughead says he was given the contract to put a target on his back for his fellow classmates. He was their next victim. They worked together as a group to make it happen. Donna distracted Betty, Brett wore a festive outfit, and Joan hit him with a rock. Jonathan was supposed to check his pulse, but um, he kind of biffed it, and now he's mysteriously disappeared. They all framed Betty and went on their dumbass merry ways. However, they didn't see Archie and Ronnie helping Betty cover up a murder coming. They both helped Betty perform CPR on Jughead. Jug woke up and told them no hospital, so they called Charles to take care of it. Apparently, Jug knew they were going to frame Betty during the five seconds he was conscious after getting his head bashed in with a rock. 
Anyway, Charles told them to clean the scene, so they burned their clothes and made a pact. They wouldn't say anything, especially if Jughead died. So anyway, Dr. Colonel Jr. helped them stage Jug's dead body, and Robin had, like, a small breakdown about it. Jughead asked DuPont what he thinks. He doesn't think much of their story, to be honest. Too bad, though, because Bughead went to the Baxter Brothers Society and they all lawyered up like super innocent people do. Bughead accused him of killing three of his classmates to keep them from telling anyone the first Baxter Brothers book was written by F.P. Sr. The only one he hasn't killed is the man himself, who they invite into the room along with F.P. and Charles. We stand three generations. Apparently, one of the three classmates went to F.P. Sr. before he died and said DuPont killed their friends. He then died two days later. F.P. Sr. abandoned his family because he realized he'd be next. Sure, that explains all the abuse and junk and stuff. Mm. He's been trying to solve the murders this whole time. The only string left unraveled was why Jughead himself was invited to Stonewall in the first place. He says he was bait for F.P. Sr. That's why F.P. Sr. ran when Jughead found him. However, I guess he eventually came back, so... He gets one point. Charles's FBI buds found a mess of evidence and trophies from his victims at DuPont's house because in the end, he's actually kind of a terrible murderer. DuPont freaks out at being under arrest and throws himself out the same window Chipping did. Now that's an expensive glass. Ooh. Thank you. All right, so let's see what I got here. So yeah, tries to commit the perfect murder. I guess Chipping never told his wife about it and it kind of ate him alive, I guess. Yeah, that I makes sense. I think that was part of it is that he didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Exactly. To uh, confide in. Yeah. Um, Moose was all messed up and everything, which is why they chose him as the next next victim. And this is the part that makes me really sad. Which part? So this means that Donna slept with Moose just to get close enough to kill him. Ugh. Oh, man. Heck. Ma'am, I'm sorry, but Moose deserves better than you. Moose deserves better than most of what he gets. I hope Moose gets a nice boyfriend. Me too. So the Stonewall Four are killed every time a new ghostwriter is picked. Since Moose left, they made Jug the new target because he won the contract, and everyone worked together to kill him. I'm just, like, confused because if they're all working together, they're like, so who gets the contract after that? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, there's a part where Jughead says, I figured it out because DuPont told me that all of you workshopped my story. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so at some point, Jughead is like, okay, so the, what Brett did was that he lured me farther into the woods. And so I took off my bunny mask and I put on the beanie. I'm like, why is that line important? And also, why were you wearing the bunny mask? Like, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't explain why you were wearing the bunny mask. Explain the mask. That's like, <laughs> that's what I'm confused about because in, in timeline, I guess, Kate, in the case of the timeline, does that imply that Jughead knew that they were going to try and murder him the entire time? I think maybe he probably had some sort of... Like, what was his intention there? Was he going to murder Brett? That's the, that's the confusing part because he says, I have a plan. So it's like, does he think he's going to get, does he think he's going to get murdered? That was my question. Yeah, we did, still don't know exactly what Jughead's plan was. Did he reinforce his own beanie with a steel helmet inside? Helmet. Helmet. A hail. Yeah. I don't, I still don't know. Um. So Jughead says that he knew it was Joan who hit him because of her, her perfume. And I'm going to say this for even for the people who haven't seen the episode yet. I'm going to say it, mm-hmm. even though this is in part three. It's not a huge spoiler or anything. Okay. Joan has diplomatic immunity. So Joan can do whatever the heck she wants because her dad's a diplomat or an amb- ambassador. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably Donna was like, it needs to be Joan because Joan, like, it doesn't matter what Joan does. Yeah. And, probably. And that, and like. if we get caught, Joan can get away with it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, yeah. So they potentially killed Jonathan because he had a conscience about it. Um, it was Jonathan's job to check Jughead's pulse. So what he did was he pulled a Narcissa, literally. I think. Yeah. So if you guys aren't familiar, which 
what, what are you what are you doing i was the ghostwriter please support me <laughs> in harry potter and the deathly hallows after voldemort thinks that he has finally killed harry potter narcissa malfoy um draco's mom uh it's her job to go over there and check to make sure harry potter is actually dead but narcissa is worried about her son so she notices that harry is alive and asks harry if he's seen draco and harry says well very very quietly slash like minimal effort minimal movement basically says yes draco is alive and so she turns around and tells everybody that harry's dead even though he isn't so basically jonathan pulled the narcissa yep and told everybody that jughead was alive when he isn't when he wasn't like he probably or thought he the other was... way around yeah but like well, do we think that he did that out of the goodness of his heart or do we think that he really thought jughead was dead no he really thought jughead was dead hey because yeah. in because Archie thinks that Jughead's dead. Because Archie thinks that Jughead's dead. But Archie's not a goddamn medical examiner. But they also wouldn't give him CPR if he didn't have a pulse. They had to get his heart beating again. But he wasn't breathing. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Also, they they would have given him CPR. What? Huh? What? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, wouldn't they have given him CPR anyway? We're talking about- Did we're they still feel- talking about Betty and everybody? Yeah. Did they feel him having a pulse? That, I don't that, think so. I don't think so because Archie says he doesn't, like, he's dead. And then later after they, like, start working on him, Veronica says he's dead. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Either way. So maybe Jonathan really thought he was dead. But here's the thing. Donna didn't know 100% for sure that Jughead wasn't dead at the, at the point that Jonathan was apparently murdered. Like, Donna can't be like, Jonathan, Jughead is alive and you messed up and that's why I'm going to murder you. She just murdered him. And also she says that he, ha- she said he had food poisoning. He has food poisoning. Bad tense use. And also the fact that later, wait, did she say had or has? She said had and then she changed it to has. He's dead. Yeah, that's my question. That's like, that's the thing that I'm confused about because the fact that when Charles is interviewing them, the fact that there isn't an interview with Jonathan makes me truly believe that Jonathan is dead. But what? (laughs) Are we like not- For why? Like, are we not going to talk about how Donna murdered her friend? I guess not. I thought we were going to get answers because in the guest starring, the guy who plays Jonathan was listed, and it turns out it was just, like, some new footage, like, for the explanation, really. But I was still, like, I thought I was going to get an explanation, and I didn't get one. So I guess Charles didn't lie about Betty not being able to kill Jug on Devil's Breath. Yeah. So that's good. That's a that's a check for Charles. Charles yeah. has lots of checks this episode. Good yeah. job, buddy. But I'm still suspicious. They really had to add that one extra scene at the end of that one episode so that I had to be suspicious all season, huh? Like, why did they do that? So annoying. Um, yeah, medical examiner Archie doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Listen, he's dumb. Leave him alone. He's not coming for your boy Colonel Jr.'s job anytime soon. Yeah. Okay? True. So... Varchi either could turn Betty in or help her. Either way, Betty is in trouble. If I was Varchi, I would immediately be turning her in. That's because you're um, a uh, lawful neutral. Yeah, so sorry about it. Yeah. So yeah, chest compression so that he'll start breathing again. And like, basically like the breath, the breathing is so he'll, like Betty breathing into his mouth is so he'll breathe. Chest compressions is to restart his heart, I assume. He says no hospital because he knew that they were trying to frame Betty, I guess. They call... They call Charles immediately and he brings the FBI med van. He tells them to clean the scene and get rid of your clothes. I'm like, okay, but like, Charles, you don't know the whole story right now, bro. Like, is this allowed, bud? <laughs> no, this is not allowed. Like, for the record, this is so not allowed. He goes against protocol so much. He lets, later this episode, he lets FP and Jughead go in and just like beat up Brett. Yeah. So that I'm like, bro, this is torture, though. 
Like, I, I don't like Brett as much as... I kind of like Brett, actually, to be honest. <laughs> he's a bad guy. He he has a collection of sex tapes. He's not a very good person, but no. I think he's funny. Either way, it's really messed up, and I don't think this is allowed. I think I think Charles is a bad FBI agent, and yeah. I'm going to say it. He probably is a bad FBI yeah. agent. So then we get the flash that we got at the end of the season three, and I think it's funny that, like, they, they gave us the flash, but beforehand and after it, we got... Jughead will make it. He will make it. Then we get super sinister scene. And then it ends with, so anyway, that's if he doesn't make it. But if he does make it, and I'm like, the re- the retcon here is so funny. It's like, literally, it's a mess. Yeah. So Dr. Colonel Jr. was in on it because they're friends. They go way back. And they actually brought back my guy, Nikolai. How happy are you? <laughs> I was so excited. I just feel like, like, why talk about him when you could have him? Like, he lives here. He's here in Vancouver. Why not Why not bring him back? Exactly. He does such good work. Am I wrong? No. Are you going to tell me that I'm wrong? I'm not wrong, and I know it. No. So anyway, DuPont is not convinced about this. Um, they talk about how they went to the ghostwriters and all of them asked for their lawyers, so that's not what, uh, not what innocent people do. Yeah, it's really not... And DuPont is like, okay, listen, but I never explicitly told anybody to do a murder. (laughs) That is the worst excuse I have ever heard. Explicitly. I never explicitly told somebody to pull a murder. I never told you to do murder, but I just I heavily implied it. it. Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't discourage it. Yeah. So the other members of the Quill and Skull were Jane Dallas Brown, Charles W. Chiggins, and Theodore Wiesel. And they all died in, like, mysterious accidents, which we learned earlier this season. Yeah. So DuPont tried to kill everyone who he, who knew that he took the book from FP1. So FP Charles and FP1, we get three generations of Jones boys. Heck, yeah. Um, And FP1 tells us that Theodore came and warned him, like, two days before he died. And so he left his family, FP1 did, left his family so that he could protect their his family and protect himself. Okay. How do you protect your family by doing that? He was never going to uh, go after the families. I I even think that it kind of makes them more in trouble because if I was DuPont, and obviously DuPont is trying to be real sneaky with it, he wouldn't be like, he wouldn't be so outright as to like steal his son away and like make it a hostage situation. You know what I mean? Like exactly come out or I'm going to kill your son. You know, like he just let him steal off into the night and um, he's still an abuser. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't explain away fp talking about like him breaking fp's arm in the midnight club yeah he literally broke his arm and forced him to join a gang instead of going to college like hello yeah like we should talk more about how he was one of the serpents or like because i i'm i just want more serpent content yeah but yeah i personally do not if fp forgives him then that's awesome maybe i don't have all the information but I currently do not forgive him. No. Same. And they talk about how he has been off the grid since 2002. Jughead was born in 2001. So he must have given him that first Baxter Brothers novel, like within his first year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, FP1 says that he's been off searching for evidence this whole time, which like is kind of weird because when Jughead showed up and was like, hey, um, I think that DuPont is evil. FP1 should have been like, I agree, and here's all the reasons why, and here's what can help you on your search. Exactly. Instead, he goes, oh no, everything's fine. In fact, please go back and go to school beside him and put yourself in danger by being next to him constantly. Right. But but there's a selfishness there. He was trying to protect himself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Jughead was bait to lure out FP1. And it finally worked, DuPont. You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Charles says the FBI has been in DuPont's house and he has been keeping trophies from his victims in a hollowed-out dictionary. He's an idiot. Blech. Sir. He's an idiot. 
It's just Sir, gross. You're a stereotype. He like genuinely. The minute they said that he had trophies, I was like, this man deserves to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. For being that stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dupont go cra- goes crazy about his reputation being ruined, and he jumps. I remember watching this and being ever. All of us were like, he's gonna jump. He's gonna jump. Like somebody get behind him. Yeah. You know and. Uh, Man, they gotta fix that window again. That same heckin' window, bro. Whoever does, like, the janitorial at- It's like, seriously? Yeah. Like, can y'all please stop breaking the window? Hmm. The guy just comes by with a mop and he's like, again? Again? Um, so it's not a very far jump, but I guess since he was going head first, head first yeah. that that's what happened there. And this time the Stonies are freaked out. This time they're like, oh, didn't expect that. I don't know how they expected chippings, but apparently they did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- that's part two. I think part three is the part that has the most, like, actual conversation for Agreed. us. You know what yeah. I mean? So no, I completely agree. A lot of the first two parts were just, like, stating of facts, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to talk about part three. But first, Brittany, can you tell me about Patreon? Yeah, Patreon is a service you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Tell me more. So, like, so we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaffictionados. And basically what you're doing is sponsoring us and helping us pay our hosting fees because we pay... $200 podcast and we have five podcasts. Yeah. So Oof. that's what stress looks like. And if you donate, we our donation started a dollar a month and our perks include getting the podcast early. Like for example, this week, Robin finished editing our Picard podcast so fast that it's going to be up three days early. Yeah. So if you want exclusive access to things like that, you can support our Patreon. And every year I also custom design our anniversary postcards and send them out to all our patrons. And we are also working on other perks. If you guys have ideas for more perks that you would like, either as a patron or as a potential patron, you should tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can't donate, which is totally fine because I understand money is tight, just tell a friend about our podcast. All right. Now it's time for part three. Yeehaw. Okay. Here we go. Charles is interviewing the Stonies and trying to convince at least one of them to come clean. Joan says she's Audi 5000 because she's real diplomat and because these were never her friends anyway. Honestly, I respect her hustle. Yeah. Don is putting on the waterworks for her interview with Charles, but he isn't buying the act anymore. I gotta say, she sure can spin a story, though. Mm-hmm. Brett is very smug in his interview for someone who has got a single brain cell. Charles offers him a lower charge if he turns in all of the sex tapes and Brett doesn't budge. Charles calls in a couple of um, special deputies to help him change yeah. his mind. Yeah, heckin' FP is not the sheriff anymore, to be clear. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot yeah. FP's not the sheriff! FP and Jughead beat the absolute hell out of Brett and he decides maybe it is in his best interest to turn over those tapes. Jughead destroys the one of him and Betty and the rest go into evidence. Alice takes over narration via her vest- via her latest news report. We see that she got her job back as the town watches her share the thrilling conclusion of Jughead's murder. Everyone congratulates her on a job well done, and she thanks her inside source by making out with him in front of all their kids. Yay! Forget everyone else. I respect her. I stan. Betty and Jughead roll their eyes at their parents' PDA, and Betty decides that she has one last thing to do, even though Alice made cake. Rude. She shows up in Donna's room to make one last power move. Donna has gotten the Baxter Brothers contract, and they're relaunching as Tracy True. Betty has actually figured out the whole plan, but Donna still thinks she's winning. Betty cracks it all wide open when she realizes... When she reveals that she knows that Donna has done all of this for, for revenge on the murder of her grandmother. Dupont killed her and stole stories from her, too. <gasps> Donna feels- Jane? <laughs> Donna feels like she justice has been served, but Betty isn't going to let her win this one. We get another flashback that reveals the truth about Donna's lineage. Thanks for that one, Hermosa. Betty tells Donna that she either walks away from the contract or she'll reveal- the truth about her identity. Play nice, Donna. Betty and Jughead pack up the bunker and Jughead feels like it was all sort of a waste of time. Betty promises that 
he'll find meaning in it all eventually. I mean, you caught the bad guys, but okay, cry about it. <laughs> Cheryl and Betty catch up like good cousins do, and Cheryl calls her out on cadoodling a little too convincingly with Archie. Hmm. <laughs> Jughead is back at Riverdale High for good. F.P. Jones Sr. is hanging out with F.P. because Riverdale forgot that he actually broke F.P.'s arm and was kind of a really awful dad instead yeah. of just being an absent father. F.P. hugs Jughead and thanks him for getting them talking again. Can we let that man wander off into the woods, though? <laughs> Archie is a good boy, and he asks the gang to make sure they end this year on a high note. I respect one strawberry milkshake king. Betty and Veronica vow to make sure that Jughead and Archie graduate with the rest of them, and Kevin shows up to ask them to perform in the variety show. Oh, boy. Well, that's that chapter of Riverdale closed. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, Kevin, your priorities are interesting. <laughs> they like, sure are. He's like, sup, I'm glad you're not dead. Um, So what's your talent? Bitch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I was saying before, the fact that we don't see an interview with Jonathan makes me think that he, uh, he is actually really dead, even though we didn't really get an explanation for that. For sure. Super dead. So yeah, Joan had to do it so that Donna didn't have to because she has diplomatic immunity. And Joan ran so that Donna could walk. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, like, that's true, though. And so, like, I think we can all kind of just, like, assume what diplomatic immunity means, but I got a definition just in case. Okay. Diplomatic immunity is a form of legal immunity that ensures diplomats are given safe passage and are considered not susceptible to lawsuit or prosecution under the host country's laws, although they may still be expelled. So, sorry, what's the point of this? The diplomats are allowed to do whatever the hell they want? Yes, basically. I don't like that. Well, welcome to modern politics. It's basically like people have diplomatic immunity for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. One of which is that um, some laws, some countries have stricter laws than others. Yes. So like, for example, you know, even things like that are relevant to us, like gay marriage. Being a diplomat doesn't nullify that marriage yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So like, it's something that I think is valid, but... um. I obviously we don't know enough about the subject to speak on it with any real authority. Right. I think there's like a good reason for it, like in case you don't know the rules of a place or something. But citizens aren't afforded that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it just gets abused mostly, especially on at least what I know of it in television. Yeah. So So basically Joan has full on fled the country. She committed a murder. Well she tried to commit a murder. Well, I I don't know the story. Attempted Jonathan. murder. Yeah. Donna, uh, yeah, everyone else will take the heat, and she's like, I don't really care about those random people. I hung out with them for, like, a bit, and now uh, now I'm not gonna hang out with them anymore. She's valid. <laughs> she's probably been to France, so that's how she knew that thing in uh, the quiz show. Probably. Yeah. So Donna told Jughead that Brett had diplomatic immunity, but it was Joan who had it. Like, she called Brett a diplo brat. You remember that? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of, like, what happened there. And she said that it was to stop Jughead from being mean to Brett. Oh my god. But then she also says that it was Brett's idea to kill him, so I'm like, there's a lot of conflicting stories here, bud. Yeah, it's almost like none of them are telling the truth at any given time. Right. Well, she loves to, like, make things up just at any given moment, And so. she immediately throws him under the bus. Oh, yeah. And then she throws DuPont under the bus, who we know is a garbage person, but he's not here to say if it's true or not. Right. Which is exactly what she did to Chipping. So she said that DuPont told her that she had to lie and he gave her the tie pin. And I guess it was just like, lucky that Betty found it in the ice storm, I guess, or something. I guess. Whatever. So he goes to talk to Brett and Brett's like, have I been charged with anything? And Charles is like, in fact, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, yes, I can keep you here, sir. You um, did crimes. And um, here's the thing. Attempted murder. Yes. Owning illegal sex tapes. Yes. But- not only were they illegally recorded, but also depending on when they happened and who is on the tapes, that could also be classified as child pornography, my dude. Yup. Yep. 
Yep. Though I think Bro? it's the laws are different depending on how old he is. Mm-hmm. Because if he's under eighteen, then I don't know. Either way, it's disgusting. But Either like, way, you don't really disgusting. know like what the legality is there, right? And I, but and I'm sure that Riverdale's like not interested in going into like a whole like like talking about that. I promise right? you, it's not. Yeah. So that's probably why they didn't like that part wasn't part of the charges or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that that's definitely a possibility. Oh know. yeah, yeah. Like Jughead is eight was eighteen at that point, I believe, but. We don't know about Betty. Yeah. Betty could be 17. That's child pornography. That counts, bro. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really gross. Messed up. So he's like, okay, well, if you turn over the collection, it'll only be attempted murder and it'll be chill. Like, I'm willing to make a deal with you here. Yeah. And Brett's like, I don't give a crap. I'm trying to bargain with you. And so Charles lets in FP and Jughead to fully beat him up and- They went hard. They went really hard. Like, he was having a hard time breathing. I kind of felt bad for him, to be honest. Like, we were all laughing when- FP and Jughead walked in because it was like, oh, yeah, okay, I love this because mm-hmm. they deserve he deserves to get punched in the face. Yeah, but then they cut back to like how he looked after, and we were like, geez, yeah, was that necessary? I don't know. Like, I that was graphic. Like, here's the thing: Brett is so egotistical. Like, I feel like he would have gotten like three punches in, and he'd be like, no, my pretty face, it's okay, you can just take my collection. Like, probably, it really does feel like they didn't have to go that hard, and that yeah. makes me kind of sad. Like, as much as affection as we feel for Brett as a villain, yeah. he is a villain. Totally. And he also, like, kind of tried to help murder Jughead. Fully. And murder Moose. Yes. And Chipping. And so, like, Brett is the bad guy. He's just stupid, so we feel affection for him. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel affection for Brett. I was just, like, surprised that two guys that I very much like went that hard. Yeah. I agree. I, but I, but I will say I do feel affection for Brett at this time. Yeah. Because now he's a big dummy, and he's not as... He's not as annoying anymore. That's fair. But you still can't forget all the garbage things that he's doing. So it's been behind Stonewall's crest the whole time. That's where all of his, like, videotapes have been. Jughead completely destroys he and Betty's tape. And I'm like, okay, but what about the other ones? Right. Alice works about works at RIVW again. But, like, the reason why she was... The reason why she was fired has nothing to do with Jughead, which is the big thing that's been changing. So I'm like, but what about all the cheating that happened? Okay. Well, <laughs> but the cheating was a charge against someone who turned out to be a, mur- a murderer. Oh, okay. What, what he, like, like because Brett's the one Brett who- Brett framed them. Yeah. Oh, so she was basically like, Brett's a liar, and they were like, oh, that makes sense, because he tried to kill people? Yeah. Okay. So she talks about her inside source, and then we get our kiss, and those are our rights. Thank you so much. That's my favorite one so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, like, comfortable. Totally. So Betty leaves to talk to Donna, and, um, isn't Stonewall supposed to be, like, really far away? Yeah. She's like, I'll be right back. And I'm like, you were at Stonewall, and you were there for, like, an hour. <laughs> and then you decided to leave and then come back to go talk to her about it? This this seems like a waste of gas, but okay. So she's waiting for Donna in her room. Donna's transferring, and they're rebranding the Baxter Brothers as Tracy True. So does that mean that Donna got off on all charges, then? Apparently. that's what it sounds like. It sounds like she talked her way out of all her charges. Yeah. And that Brett has them all. Yeah. Okay. So turns out she did it for revenge because... Her grandmother was Jane Dallas Brown, which was one of the people that DuPont killed, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who invented Tracy True. I don't really understand how, like, and why it is such a secret. Like, she says, like, how could you possibly know that? Like, how much was covered up and, like, why was it covered up? Right. And, like, why did, how did they rebrand the Baxter Brothers to t- Tracy True when Tracy True already existed? Like, in the Baxter Brothers. She just was a side character, so they were going to start their own series of her as the main character. But, like, that's also kind of like, 
I mean, I consider that a plot hole because didn't they talk about how Tracy True had her own books at some point? I thought they did, but maybe Betty just really loves Tracy True because she's the teen detective in the Baxter Brothers. Oh, that, yeah, that's possible. Maybe. But I guess my thing is just, like, how hard is it to look up somebody's, like, family tree? Like, why is this such a big deal? Yeah. I guess I just don't know. It's the way that she found out was medical file. Well, Hermosa found it, but it it was in medical files. And if they get released, then the police will have motive, and then she won't be off on all charges anymore, basically. Yeah. So she has to walk away from the contract, or basically blackmail. I mean, yeah. But then now who gets the contract? Jughead. I don't know if he wants it. I think Jughead would take it. And if he doesn't, Betty should. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see if they even ever bring it up again. They probably won't. So Jughead talks about how he feels like his time was wasted and hopefully he can still graduate. Like, hopefully his credits at school, at Stonewall, transfer over so that he can still graduate at at Riverdale High. Which is, like, so random because, like, when has Jughead actually worried about that before? Well, I mean, he was, like, worrying about school because of, like, Yale and stuff, I guess. But he's not- he's not in Yale now, so, like- True. Like, yeah, we still don't really know what's up with that. Yeah. Um, Cheryl talks to Betty and still thinks that there's Barchy feelings afoot. And I like that when Jughead walks up, Betty doesn't tell him what Cheryl said. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, what did Cheryl want? And she goes, oh, nothing. It doesn't matter. Nothing. I'm like, hello. Like, um, feelings. And also Cheryl says that no one ever really dies in Riverdale. Cheryl, Ma- Jason is dead. Let ma'am, it go. Many people, d- uh, you, Uncle Bedford died in front of you, bro. Fred, bro. Like, a lot of people die in Riverdale. What are you talking about? She's unwell, y'all. I, I think she might have meant, like, their spirits kind of tend to live on. I don't know what she meant. Like, that's that was my interpretation of okay. it. Okay. Jughead says that Mr. Honey legally has to let Jughead back into Riverdale High, so, like, that's great, but he still doesn't know if he can graduate. Mm-hmm. He says that no one will try and kill him there, but, uh, careful about what you say there, friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, Riverdale. That feels like you're just inviting trouble when you say things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they get home and FP1 and FP2 are making up, which is really nice, but I'm still also like, well, okay, but FP2, just so you know, like, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. Right. (coughs) Like, it's healthy to forgive people for you, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to do it for the other person. Yeah. And like, as an audience, we don't have to forgive him. Totally. And, but FP2 does say thank you to Jughead for bringing FP1 back into his life because- I guess he feels like his life will be would be like more whole with his father there, and I also respect that. So it's I mean it's totally up to him. It's not up to us. Yeah, like can't relate, but like yeah, okay. He says that they're talking for the first time in thirty years, but um, Jughead said that he left in two thousand two. Also, isn't FP fifty? Yeah. Huh? So, so he saw them when he was twenty. I don't like maybe like girl. I don't know. The timeline's murky. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter, the but it's That's stupid. So they're at Pops and they're going to make another vow and let, let's just stop making vows. <laughs> Every time they make a vow, someone dies. Yeah. And Veronica says that Jughead and Archie, they'll get like them a million tutors so that they can all graduate together. Then Kevin shows up because they have to set up the musical episode right before the musical episode and says that everyone has to perform in the variety show. Even Jughead, even though Jughead wasn't on the list. You know what? I appreciate that, though. Yeah. Because Heather's, like, Archie's, like, death in the mid-season of season three was ruined by the Heather's cast list saying that Archie was on the list, you know? So I appreciate them. I know this this was more high stakes, obviously, because it was, like, the, the mystery of the season, right? Mm-hmm. But so I did appreciate them not ruining it that way. But I don't know what the heck Jughead's supposed to do. And also it's supposed to be Hedwig. Like, my whole thing was that I thought that... 
Kevin was like, it's going to be Hedwig. And then Honey was going to be like, no, it's a variety show. And then Kevin's like, okay, variety show, but make it Hedwig, you know? So it's weird that he shows up and says, hi, it's a variety show. And doesn't seem upset. Right. I don't know. We might get a flashback. Yeah, we might get a flashback. Yeah, sorry this episode was so short, you guys, but I'm sure you understand. It was a lot of stuff that we already knew, and it was kind of just spouting facts. It was a ton of exposition, basically. It was like, we need to wrap up this part of the show so that we can get to, like, I don't know, I guess the main mystery? It was it was a very fun episode. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, There's just not a lot of conversation to have about it. Yeah, yeah. So now it's time for segments. My first segment is asexual jughead question mark question mark question mark, and the answer is yes, always yes. I don't care. I respect you. Thank you. He's so asexual. He destroyed his sex tape, y'all. It's true. He was like, (laughs) no one, no one gets to know. And my segment is which milf was the most badass? Um, Alice, obviously. Obviously. And my segment is did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? And uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. They made they sure out in front of all their kids. In a big way. Oh. I like, I feel like Jellybean's probably like, honestly, whatever. Jughead's kind of like, whatever. Betty's the only one who's like, kind of weirded out about it. Yeah. Um, Charles and- is probably like, probably like, oh, that's sweet. My it's parents like- love each other. <laughs> it's like, that's like the goal of like, so many children whose like, parents are divorced or like, maybe one day they'll get back together. And Charles is like, I didn't even know these people and I win. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Brett and Charles for... Reduce my charge to conspiracy after the fact, which my lawyer will plead down to community service, or Betty and Jughead's puerile sex tape will be released to the World Wide Web. Hmm. Let me think it over. I just, I loved the, I loved Wyatt's delivery of that line. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, cool. Mm. Thanks for, thank, thanks for the, thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> thanks for the hot tip. Uh, and mine goes to Betty for... No, this is ridiculous. Mr. DuPont calling security. Shut the hell up, Brett. Top notch. Laughed out loud. So good. Genuinely did. And mine goes to Alice for... Your report came out really good, Mom. Oh, thanks, honey. I had a lot of help from an inside source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Inside <laughs> source. Listen. Him. You know, I just, I just love my snake parents' crumbs. I'm, okay. I've almost got enough to build a whole slice of toast. Wow. That's beautiful. I don't know if, it, I don't know if we've got a whole slice of toast, but uh, we're getting there. Um, so now we're going to do our trailer reaction. I, I think it's funny. I was telling this to Sam earlier that like, I know for a fact that next year's musical episode is going to be either episode 15 or episode 20 or episode 19 because mm-hmm. season two's musical episode was episode 18. Season three's episode was episode 16. And now this year they're giving us episode 17. So they just don't want to give us anything consistent about the musical episode. <laughs> they, um, they love to torture Robin specifically. Yeah, exactly. I am Amy Santiago. Just give me a number so I can... Anyway. All right. So here's the little blurb for this episode. What the heck? Give me a blurb. There's still... There is no synopsis. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's no synopsis. Either way, it's the Hedwig episode. Um, cool. So here we go in three, two, one... Hedwig speaks to my entire generation. Oh boy. It's not appropriate for students. I'm excited because everyone's great. Yeah. Songs from Hedwig. Consider this a peaceful protest. Like, I'm predictable as hell. I just want people to show. We'd love to see it. Riverdale, new episode. Yeah, so basically, um, I, I don't know anything about Hedwig, but everything that I do know I have said in previous episodes. So, yeah, it's like, it's a rock, a rock musical, which Mm -hmm. would be fun. He says that it speaks to his entire generation. They're all, like, ruining their lockers. And 
Oh my god. The like cape that Kevin is doing, it says honey go home with me. Oh um that's cute. So that's pretty funny. Um yeah, they're all throwing their papers up into the air and honestly this should just be what time is it? Like when is the high school musical episode? Oh my god. (laughs) Honey says that it's not appropriate for students and I'm inclined to agree with him. I have talked about this on previous episodes but um the fact that it's about LGBTQIA plus issues is not the part that's inappropriate. It's all of the talk of like sex and genitals and all of that that I'm like this is not really like for a high school production. Is it for a college production? Sure, go for it. High school, don't feel great about it. All right, to be perfectly honest. And also, like I've also said before, there are only ve- there are very few characters and all of the song almost all the songs are sung by the one character, which is Hedwig, which is why they're singing songs from Hedwig and they're not like all that's why they're all playing Hedwig basically is because she's She's the one who sings all the songs. Honestly, that's the part where I was like, okay, I understand that objection. Yeah. It was like, you know, I think it's up to anyone's discretion of like what they want to discuss because sometimes like, you know, things about genitals and stuff are important to like trans teens. Totally. But um, how are you going to have multiple performers when there's only one person? Yeah. And also, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about like who plays Hedwig on Broadway in relation to like, should a trans person have to play Hedwig or like you know because they always have like as far as I know and I haven't done a whole lot of research all I know is that like Neil Patrick Harris did it for a while and he's a cis man you know yeah so it's like they've also had cis women play Hedwig right yeah so like like when is a trans person gonna get to play Hedwig yeah so it's like if this was like a high school show would you not want a trans person to play Hedwig and would the trans people in the high school be willing to play Hedwig like it's just there's just a lot going on here that I just don't know how to feel about I I know that I feel that it's probably a really important thing and I'm glad that like Riverdale is choosing to do something that is so sort of revolutionary and an important part of a lot of people's queer experience. Sure. But I don't know if they're going to get it right and that's the thing I'm afraid of. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like a month from now so I have time to... Like, every musical episode, I haven't known, like, a whole lot about the musical. And then, you know, I've grown to love Heathers so much. And so I have this whole week or whole month-long hiatus to figure out more about Hedwig. Yeah, Um, let's see if we can find, like, a recording of Hedwig or, like, if they ever even made it into a movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Get into it. Yeah. So that's what we'll do. And... We shall see, I guess. But, and tell um, us what you guys think of it. Like, do you guys think this is something they should be doing? Do you think this is important? Or do you think it's just a stunt? So my guess is that he wants to do Hedwig. Honey says no. He says, I'm going to do Hedwig anyway. Everybody's going to sing songs from Hedwig. And in protest, ev- he, Kevin, and then everybody eventually comes to school dressed as Hedwig. And I'm like, where are they buying these wigs? And when are they going to be sold exactly. out? You know? So he walks down the hallway wearing his drag, which we support. And it looks like there's some sort of like, I think what it looks like to me is that it's a slumber party at the Pembroke. Um, which sounds kind of cute. Here for it. Um, it looks like Veronica, I think Cheryl, Betty, and who is that? Kevin? And then I assume Tony is also there, but I can't see her in this moment. Probably. Then here they are at, is that, I don't think that's Betty's room. Whose room is that? No, that is Betty's room. What? Why does it look different? That's Betty's room. This remind this looks like Betty's room from the pilot, but like now Betty's room has like tangerine. Is that, are those tangerine sheets? Probably. Anyway, whatever. So they're Which like, let's all 
let's all perform songs from Hedwig. And so we get like the Archies and, you know, so the core four and Jughead gets to play drums in the background so he doesn't have to do anything. And it genuinely does say the Archies. Like we've never had the actual Archies mm -hmm. on the show before. So that's really interesting. And Kevin's playing the uh, keyboard in the back there. Then they all come to school as Hedwigs. And you can see many of them, including Kevin, Cheryl, Tony, Fangs, and Reggie. Man, you just know that Honey's gonna turn out to be homophobic. Yeah, I can't see, I can't super recognize anybody else, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And then Honey asks for them to cancel the variety show, and the last thing we see is Veronica trashing a desk. So, girl, I don't know. I worry about her. I don't know. So I guess we shall see. It is a movie. It was made in 2001. Is okay. Patrick Harris in it, mm -hmm. or is it somebody else? No, it's, uh... This guy? John Cameron Mitchell. Okay. I wonder if it's on any streaming platforms. And then, alternately, is it on any streaming platforms in Canada? Because <laughs> that's a different question. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's perpetually in the description. And just kind of ask some things that you like about the podcast and some things that you think we could work on. Um, remember, doing those little stars on iTunes, even if you don't want to write a review, that's free. That's totally fine, too. It's free. Yeah. If you enjoy The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We are about to cover, I guess, not about to, but season seven comes out in May, and we are going to be covering that. The final season, and then we're going back to the beginning to do the first three, which is the ones that we haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. And I am excited to talk about those ones. Sure. If you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Um, I personally am. Just generally. Yeah, I, I've heard that about you. Yeah. Um, our next episode is coming out at the beginning of April, and Sam is on it, so if you're not tired of her, join us over there. Um, we did all of season one, and we are almost done season two. It's spoiler-free, so if you're watching for the first time, you can join us. Uh, you have no excuse to think it's confusing when I explain it all for you. <laughs> and if you are tired of me, there's a whole bunch of episodes I'm not on. Yeah, we have True. guests over there that aren't Sam, so <laughs> yay! If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show, too. Uh, we have covered season one and season two, uh, is what we are currently covering. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite pods to talk on, so go check it out. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we are currently covering Star Trek Picard, and it's really good. So, it's so good. Um, you should come hang out with us and talk about Star Trek, because uh, we sure do love to do it. And if you're new here, so is Robin, so you'll catch up. Join us every Tuesday on the TV Co app at 7 p.m. PST. Um, all of our stuff is saved, so if you ever want to go back and look at any of our episodes, you can. You can. Um, and in the next few weeks before Riverdale comes back, we'll be rewatching an episode in season two, an episode in season three, and then this episode. So join us over there. Nice. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebelable, YouTube, mostly Twitter, and Robin makes gifts of her favorite line awards on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Go give her some love. Peace. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive. There's a lot being taken out of our stuff right now due to all of our month or every podcast feed renewing at the same time. Yeah, basically. And yikes. Would love your help. Big yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're working on new perks for $5 and above patrons. So wingity wink. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's. That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. -S and you can check out my reviews at TiltTV.com. Join us for our next episode, which is episode 417 of Wings Little Town. 
So Wicked Little Town is a song from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and you know what? They did the same thing last year with Big Fun. Yeah. Big oh, Fun was big just fun. a song from Heathers. So makes sense. I love Big Fun. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for it to come back. Imagine if they had done the same thing with Carrie and they had just picked in. What? <laughs> and they just picked what? In. In? Yeah, there's song. a song in Carrie in the Carrie musical just called and it's just in. Oh. Well, there's like, <laughs> they named the episode A Night to Remember. Yeah. And there's a song in Carrie called A Night, Night We'll Never, Never Forget. Forget. So I'm like, why not just do that? Right. Anyway. Right. Whatever. Yep. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.